The Alchemical Tech Revolution is sponsored by Anchor. Anchor by Spotify. That's anchor.fm. Hi folks, this is Wayne McCroy, host of the Alchemical Tech Revolution podcast. I'm here to tell you tonight about Anchor. Anchor is one of the best podcast distribution apps out there. Uh, They offer various ways to create, distribute, and monetize your podcast all for free, and they have some of the best built-in uploading, recording, and editing tools available in the industry. From start to finish, they can help you to set up your podcast. So if you are interested in starting a podcast, check out anchor.fm. Or if you are already a podcaster and you're looking for distribution solutions for your podcast, check out anchor.fm. Come with me.
Listening to the Alchemical Tech Revolution, and I am your host, Wayne McCroy. Good evening, everyone. Tonight, we're going to explore what exactly is the Illuminati. And many people have uh, come to see this term, and uh, it's it's in recent years uh, been one of those things that kind of uh, draws a type of disregard to it these days because uh, what has happened is they they've used this term in a very generic sort of sense, to describe uh, many different aspects of things going on in our society today. It's kind of become a catch-all term for, uh, you know, those factions that are in power in our world today. But we're going to explore the beginnings of what this is, uh, the ideas that surround it, and how it came to be a thing, and what it is in reality today. Uh, as compared to what what it is that people think that it is. So we're going to start, actually, uh, right from the Encyclopedia Britannica. And we're going to read from there uh, to give people a little bit of a background as to what exactly this is and a little bit of where it comes from. And I will actually extrapolate more on what the Encyclopedia Britannica lays out here. And then later on, uh, we will connect the dots and show what it is today. And, uh, you know, how it's been obfuscated from the public for the longest time. So, let's begin here in the Encyclopedia Britannica. Here we go. Illuminati, designation in use from the 15th century, assumed by or applied to various groups of persons who claim to be unusually enlightened. The word is plural of the Latin Illuminatus, which means revealed or enlightened. Early Illuminati, according to adherents, the source of the light was viewed as being directly communicated from a higher source or due to a clarified and exalted condition of the human intelligence. To the former class belong the alumbrados, which is a Spanish word for enlightened, of Spain. Spanish historian Marcelino Menendez y Pelayo first finds the name about 1492 in the form of Illuminados, 1498, but traces them back to a Gnostic origin and thinks their views were promoted in Spain through influences from Italy. One of the earliest leaders, indeed some scholars style her as a pre-Alambrado, was Maria de Santo Domingo, who came to be known as La Beata de Piedorita. She was a laborer's daughter born in Aldenova, south of Sol Salamanca, about 1485. She joined the Dominican order as a teenager and soon achieved renown as a prophet and mystic who could converse directly with Jesus Christ and the Virgin. 
Ferdinand of Aragon invited her to his court, and he became convinced of the sincerity of her visions. The Dominicans appealed to Pope Julius II for guidance, and a series of trials were convened under the auspices of the Inquisition. Her patrons, which by then included not only Ferdinand, but also Francisco Cardinal Jiménez de Cisneros and the Duke of Alba, ensured that no decision was taken against her, and she was cleared in 1510. Now, we're going to pause there, folks, um, because there's a lot of information just packed into that first part here. Now, they're talking about the Alambrados, and we'll get to those in a moment, but you're seeing here that the name first appeared uh, in this sense, in the year of right around 1492. Um, what, what else do we know that happened in 1492, folks? You'll see that many of these dates always presage something else going on in our society or something else that equates to our, you know, uh, accepted historical narrative, many of these things, in these same places, okay? Because they're saying this comes from Italy, okay? And uh, into Spain, and uh, they've traced it back to different Gnostic teachings, and uh, this is actually uh, kind of a nebulous type of uh, description here of where this came from, because when they're saying Gnostic origin, well, that could mean anything, and if you're looking at the time of the Gnostics to 1492, that's almost like, that's like a 1500-year discrepancy here. Where did these things come from, you see? <clears throat> so they're leaving a lot of room uh, in here, a lot of wiggle room uh, for where these ideas really came from. And honestly, folks, you could trace them even further back to the ancient mystery schools uh, back in those times. Uh, many of these same ideas have been brought forward to today from there, and they've come through certain lines of secession uh, through many different orders in many different names, starting way back in antiquity and moving forward. And I would say uh, the forerunners of these Alambrados of, uh, you know, the, the late 1400s were probably in all likelihood the Knights Templar. Okay, so uh, when you keep that in mind, this was one of the orders that many of these uh, illumination teachings went through were the Knights Templar. And they also uh, uh, connected with... Uh, other groups uh, in the ancient Middle Eastern countries. Uh, other groups like the Assassins or the Hashashim, uh, who were also some of the carriers of some of these secret teachings uh, going back. Uh, so when you see these different groups uh, all through the ancient history, well, the not the ancient, the, like the medieval histories and the histories through the Dark Ages, uh, or what we accept to be the Dark Ages, you see that there were a lot of these different groups that carried forward a lot of these teachings. Uh, but uh, most of the, the stuff that uh, has really come forward today, I would say, was probably carried forward through this uh, group of Alumbrados, and we'll get to how they uh, actually connect to things going on today in a minute. But uh, they were the direct forerunners of the Templars, okay, and the, the teachings of the Templars, and they also took some of the uh, more Islamic-type uh, teachings from uh, the Hashishim, or the, the cult of assassins, uh, who had a direct uh, lineage going into another group called the Roshaniya. 
uh, in, in the ancient Middle East there. Oh, I shouldn't say ancient, but medieval Middle East. So many of these, these groups have kind of branched off of one another and have brought forward many of these teachings with their, their different flares on these different things. But uh, let's continue on where we just left off here when we were talking about uh, how this woman, uh, this uh, her name was... Maria de Santo Domingo, how she uh, was one of the, the forebears of some of these teachings. <clears throat> so anyway, we just left off there. So let's read on with the Encyclopedia Britannica, hear what they say. St. Ignatius of Loyola, while studying at Salamanca, 1527, was brought before an ecclesiastical commission on a charge of sympathy with the Alambrados, but he escaped with an admonition. Others were not so fortunate. In 1529, a congregation of unlettered adherents at Toledo were visited with scourging and imprisonment. Greater rigors followed, and for about a century the Alambrados afforded many victims to the Inquisition, especially at Cordoba. The movement, under the name of Illuminés, seems to have reached France from Seville in 1623. It attained some prominence in Picardy when joined, 1634, by Pierre Guerin, curé of St. Georges de Royer, whose followers, known as the Guerinais, were suppressed in 1635. Another body of Illuminés surfaced in the south of France in 1722 and appears to have lingered till 1794, having affinities with those known contemporaneously as French prophets in offshoot of the Protestant Millicent Commissarts. And I'm going to pause there for a moment, folks, because uh, we started out this little section here in Encyclopedia Britannica uh, by introducing St. Ignatius of Loyola. And St. Ignatius of Loyola was the founder of the Order of the Jesuits, uh, the Society of Jesus. Okay, and before that, he was a charged with as a sympathizer with the Alambrados. See, he was taught many of these secret teachings through the auspices of these Alambrados. And you see there, he was taught at Salamanca, uh, where this Maria uh, de Santo Domingo uh, came from and, uh, you know, had uh, brought forward some of these teachings. So the connections there, historically, so St. Ignatius of Loyola, he didn't just come up with some of these ideas for the Jesuit order on his own out of the clear blue sky. All right, he was uh, brought forward this information from others in these different uh, secret society groups. So he carried forward many of these traditions uh, through the Jesuits, and that continues to this day, folks. The Jesuits and the Illuminati in this day and age are synonymous with one another. They are one and the same thing, okay? And uh, it's not to say that all Jesuits are considered Illuminatus or Illuminati, but uh, as I've been trying to teach you folks and tell you folks for a long time now, all of these different secret society groups, they, they have an inner circle within them. And at the topmost levels of this inner circle within these other secret societies, this would be what you would call the Illuminati. All right. These would be the ones uh, that are a secret society group within a secret society group. OK, and they, they uh, actually 
um, go between all different kinds of secret societies. They all communicate one with the other. And I know that sounds like a stretch for some people, but I assure you it's not. And I could read from you some texts where they meet in uh, different convocations uh, to celebrate different uh, rituals and uh, different uh, types of ceremonial dates and things like that from many of these different groups. Uh, but let's continue on and see here what else the Encyclopedia Britannica has to say. Next paragraph here. Of a different class were the Rosicrucians, who claimed to have originated in 1422, but achieved public notice in 1537. Their teachings combined something of Egyptian Hermeticism, Christian Gnosticism, Jewish Kabbalah, alchemy, and a variety of other occult beliefs and practices. The earliest extant writing which mentions the Rosicrucian order was the Fama Fraternitis, first published in 1614, but probably circulated in manuscript form somewhere earlier than this. It recounts the journey of the reputed founder of the movement, Christian Rosencruz, to Damascus, Damkar, a legendary hidden city in Arabia, Egypt, and Fez, where he was well received and came into possession of much secret wisdom. He returned finally to Germany, where he chose three others to whom he imparted this wisdom, and thus founded the order. Later, the number was increased to eight, who separated, each going to a separate country. One of the six articles of agreement they adopted was that the fraternity should remain secret for 100 years. At the end of 120 years, the secret burial place and the perfectly preserved body of the founder were discovered by one of the then members of the order, along with certain documents and symbols held in very high esteem by Rosicrucians. The sacred vault was recovered, the members of the order dispersed, and the location of the vault was lost to history. The Fama ends with an invitation to some few to join the fraternity. Among those believed to have been associated with the order were German alchemist Michael Meyer, British physician Robert Flood, and British philosopher and statesman Sir Francis Bacon. And we're going to pause there, folks. So the Rosicrucians, uh, they're claiming here in the Encyclopedia Britannica that uh, it was a movement founded by Christian Rosencruz. This is a mythical being, folks. This is not a person that has ever historically been proven to exist. This is the legend. This is part of the secret teachings of the Rosicrucian Brotherhood, much like uh, the, the figure Hiram Abiff in the Masonic tradition is uh, a, a, a construct. The same thing here, Christian Rosencruz, also a construct. Okay, uh, This is the Rosicrucian version of Hiram Abiff. Uh, so with that being the case, uh, you could see how many of these ideas are convoluted within our history, and uh, many of these figures um, that are named here, are they actual people that lived, or are these actually constructs based upon some of these people, perhaps? Sir Francis Bacon and Robert Flood and this German alchemist known as Michael Meyer. Okay, these people, um, not much is known uh, about uh, them historically, aside from the many legends and things, associations made to them by these secret society groups. 
And uh, there are those that speculate that Sir Francis Bacon was actually Shakespeare, William Shakespeare, that William Shakespeare was a pen name of Sir Francis Bacon. And then there's a lot of speculation that William Shakespeare did not actually exist as a person, but this was just a pen name, a nom de plume for Sir Francis Bacon. And they try to attribute a lot of these different things to many of these people in these secret society groups, you see. Uh, so that's that's one of the things. And this, once again, gets down to uh, how far back into the past can we really observe the historical narrative here? Uh, what can we believe and what is a step too far for us? And, you know, some of these things, like they're, they're claiming here, and this is Encyclopedia Britannica, which is a, a pretty good academic source for much of this information. But, uh, you know, they, they don't know much more about the histories of these secret society groups uh, than the general public, because they're not a conduit for this type of information. In order to get deep into a lot of this information, you have to dig deeper into the writings of these secret societies themselves. You know, the ones that they keep hidden from the public, that you have to be an initiate in these certain groups to get to. That is, up until the modern age, when the internet broke loose, and now you can find most of this stuff at your fingertips uh, on the internet. Uh, whereas before, in ages past, and, you know, in years past, up until just the past 15 years, this stuff was largely inaccessible to people. You had to really dig to find a lot of this information through, uh, you know, Masonic libraries and things like that to find these books. <coughs> Excuse me. So, up until that time... Uh, you know, the time that the internet came about and these, these materials became uh, pretty much available to just about anybody, these were only available to initiates of the secret orders. So much of the histories were not known. And this is just the public face that was put on by the secret societies. Uh, what's told here in Encyclopedia Britannica right here. So they probably went to the Rosicrucian groups and got a little bit of historical documentation and found out, oh, their founder's name was Christian Rosencruz, and this is about his, his you know, um, journey to Damascus, and, you know, this is how the whole thing came about, and it's a combination of these different things, these uh, different Egyptian hermeticism and Christian Gnosticism and things like that. This is just the public face that, the, the, you know, that was given to the Rosicrucian group here. All right. Uh, but all these secret teachings, they, they permeate all these different secret societies. And I find it interesting that they're listed under the, the heading here in Britannica of Illuminati. So you see how it touches onto these things. But I also find uh, the uh, fact that they left out the uh, connection to the Jesuits, uh, I, I find that kind of revealing too. Uh, within the Encyclopedia Britannica here, but uh, we'll get to that. They didn't connect the dots there earlier on, but the next section here, this is the commonly known and accepted uh, idea of the Illuminati that we're getting to next. And uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and read through here next. <clears throat> so back to Britannica. The Bavarian Illuminati... Perhaps the group most closely associated with the name Illuminati was a short-lived movement of Republican free thought founded on May Day, that would be May 1st, 1776 by Adam Weishaupt, professor of canon law at Ingolstadt University and a former Jesuit. The members of this secret society called themselves perfectibilists. 
Their founder's aim was to replace Christianity with a religion of reason, as later did the revolutionaries of France and the 19th century positivist philosopher Auguste Comte. The order was organized along Jesuit lines and kept internal discipline and a system of mutual surveillance based on that model. Its members pledged obedience to their superiors and were divided into three main classes. The first included novices, minervals, and lesser illuminati. The second consisted of Freemasons, ordinary, Scottish, and Scottish knights, and the third, or mystery class, comprised two grades of priest and regent, as well as magus and king. Beginning with a narrow... With Sorry, beginning with a narrow circle of disciples carefully selected from among his own students, Weishaupt gradually extended his recruitment efforts from Ingolstadt to Eichstadt, Freising, Munich, and elsewhere, with special attention being given to the enlistment of young men of wealth, rank, and social importance. From 1778 onward, Weishaupt's Illuminati began to make contact with various Masonic lodges, where, under the impulses of Adolf Franz Frederick, Freiherr von Knig, one of their chief converts, they often managed to gain a commanding position. It was to Knig that the society was indebted for the extremely elaborate constitution. Never, however, actually realized, it says in parentheses, as well as its internal communication system. Each member of the order had given him a special name, generally classical, by which he alone was addressed in official writing. Weishaupt was referred to as Spartacus, while Knig was Philo. All internal correspondence was con conducted in cipher, and to increase the mystification, towns and provinces were invested with new and altogether arbitrary designations. At its period of greatest development, Weishaupt's Bavarian Illuminati included in its operations a very wide area, extending from Italy to Denmark and from Warsaw to Paris. At no time, however, do its numbers appear to have exceeded 2,000. The order and its doctrines apply, appealed to literary giants such as Johann Wolfgang von Goethe and Johann Gottfried von Herder, as well as the Dukes Ernest II of Gotha and Charles Augustus of Saxe-Weimar-Eisenach. Such notables were claimed as members, although it is questionable if they were actually so. Weishaupt's Illuminati were believed to have included astronomer Johann Bode, writer and bookseller Frederick Nikolai, philosopher Frederick Jacobi, and poet Frederick Leopold, Graf zu Stolberg Stolberg. Secret societies of this kind fitted in with the idea of benevolent, sorry, I can't speak. <laughs> Secret societies of this kind fitted in with the idea of benevolent despotism as a vehicle for the Enlightenment, as Goethe shows in Wilhelm Meister's Apprenticeship. The movement suffered from internal dissension and was ultimately banned by an edict of the Bavarian government in 1785. 
Some members were imprisoned while others were driven from their homes. Weisopt was stripped of his chair at Ingolstadt and banished from Bavaria. After 1785, the historical record contains no further activities of Weisopt's Illuminati, but the order figured prominently in conspiracy theories for centuries after its disbanding. It was credited with activities ranging from instigation, sorry, instigation, not investigation, from the instigation of the French Revolution to the assassination of U.S. President John F. Kennedy, and the notion of an all-knowing cabal of ancient masters remained a powerful image in the popular consciousness into the 21st century. So, gonna pause there, folks. So, they're telling you the story of the Bavarian Illuminati here, and they're giving you a couple important key details here and some of the original members. <clears throat> but what they're not telling you is uh, they say Weishaupt was a former Jesuit, uh, but in my view, I think he was just carrying out the Jesuit orders, and uh, this was a subgroup that uh, got a little too ambitious and tried to steal the reins of power from others within the uh, larger group. And uh, as such, they uh, came to... Uh, be disbanded and expelled from Bavaria, or so the story goes here. Uh, but we'll get a little bit more into that. So uh, let's see what it says here, because we're almost finished with uh, the uh, Britannica, uh, the Britannica story here that they give of who the Illuminati is. So let's finish up this last paragraph that they have here, and then we'll go ahead and add some more detail into what Britannica is telling us that they left out of the story. Later Illuminati. Now this is back to Britannica. Later Illuminati. After the suppression of Weishaupt's order, the title Illuminati was given to the French Martinists, founded in 1754 by Martinez, Pasquales, and propagated by Louis-Claude Louis de Saint-Martin. By 1790, Martinism had been spread to Russia by Johann Georges Schwartz and Nikolai Nikol Novikov. Both strains of illuminated Martinism included elements of Kabbalism and Christian mysticism imbibing ideas from Jacob Bohm and Emanuel Swedenborg. And that's the end of the entry here uh, for the Illuminati in Britannica. And they're missing a lot from the story here, folks, because here's what happened. And this is how Weishaupt and company got caught. Uh, they were they had a courier carrying a message from Weishaupt to another Illuminatus. And uh, as the story goes, this carrier, he was carrying a message by horseback uh, through the countryside. And he was struck down by lightning and died on the spot, and the Bavarian authorities who found him uh, found the paperwork on him, and they discovered this plot of the Illuminati to overthrow not only the Bavarian government, but all the governments of Europe, and this is why they were arrested, and some of them uh, were uh, actually treated very harshly. Uh, some, I'd imagine, were probably executed, and uh, Weishaupt was stripped of his title uh, from Ingolstadt University, and expelled uh, from 
Bavaria. So, that being the case, that is the end of the historical record of the Illuminati. Uh, that that is until 1798, folks, when a uh, a certain uh, gentleman wrote a book revealing that he had found infiltration into some of the uh, Masonic societies, the Freemasonry groups within Europe and also within North America, of Illuminati. See, the, the secret society had infiltrated within, and there was an inner circle within that this gentleman had found, and his name was John Robeson. And he wrote a book about the Illuminati conspiracy. This was in 1798. This was many years after the disbanding of the Illuminati, the Bavarian Illuminati. So he found evidence that they still existed in secret within the inner circles of some of these Freemasonic groups, uh, among others. And he wrote this book and, uh, you know, sent it to some very notable people. So uh, that's part of the story that's missing. Okay. So then, what has happened then with the Illuminati? This is, this is what the uh, mainstream historical record uh, says about the Illuminati. It's just what I read to you here in the Britannica entry. Okay. So that being the case, they say that the Illuminati has been disbanded since 1785 and has disappeared off the face of the earth, that they, there's no other entries for them, but some people associate other groups with them, then that's not necessarily the truth. Um, and they make these distinctions and they make these connections here in Britannica to some of these other groups of the illumined class or the, uh, the different secret society groups. Um, well, well, here's the thing, folks, okay? If the Illuminati doesn't exist, then how is it that uh, I've been reading on air here uh, things that mention the Illuminati by name in the modern era? Uh, I've have I, I've seen the the book covers that say Temple of the Illuminati right on them. In fact, if you're watching my slideshow going across the screen, I'm sure you've seen the cover of that book. It says Temple of the Illuminati. There it is. So uh, you know that being the case. Um, how, how are they getting away with telling us that this, this secret society has disappeared and it's no longer in operation? Uh, when, if you actually go into especially the Rosicrucian teachings, you see that it's actually a subgroup of the Rosicrucians. Um, so, or it's accepted to be a subgroup of sorts of the Rosicrucians, part of the inner circle, uh, within these many different ideas. So, you know, that being the case, um, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? Why would they not acknowledge this in the modern era? So, that being the case, we could see that uh, they've gone to some different pains to cover up the existence of this group or to just outright deny that it exists. And it's gotten to the point where it's actually become, like I had alluded to earlier, a catch-all type phrase um so for any type of secret society group that allegedly has some form of power here and uh, that being the case it's it's kind of the whole thing uh 
uh, has gotten to where it's it's a discrediting thing now. So if somebody say, oh, it's the Illuminati, or the, you know, you see the things in popular entertainment and popular thought, Illuminati confirmed, and uh, all these, uh, uh, you know, rock stars and and you know things like that, musicians, actors, all out there giving the the you know, the triangle over the eye symbol and stuff like that, these secret signs, and claiming to be part of these different groups. So, you know, that being the case, it's kind of given a little bit of discreditation to the idea of the Illuminati. But uh, that's not necessarily the case, folks. Uh, they are actually a group that exists to this day, uh, they hold a lot of sway within the uh, inner circles of these other different secret society groups, and they have a lot of control and influence. Um, so, with that being said, I'm going to read now from a book uh, called Soul Science and Success, The Christic Interpretation and Mystic Christianity as Taught by the Temple of Illuminati. Um, <laughs> so, um, here we go. And this, this is a book, this is a, actually, um, a book by Reuben Swinburne Clymer, uh, of, within the, uh, Rosicrucian groups. And let's read here. Let's go down and read directly from the horse's mouth here. What's the Illuminati? Here we go. The Temple of the Illuminati The Temple of the Illuminati is not a secret order in the same sense as the Masons, the Oddfellows, or the Templars. It is rather more like the old Asinian fraternity, a school of spirituality, a school of or for aspiring souls, souls that are no longer satisfied with the things of the carnal self, but desire to know, to be, and to do. As the name indicates, the Temple of the Illuminati is a fraternity or brotherhood of those who have passed through certain stages of growth and have attained such a degree of enlightenment that they desire further instructions which will help them to attain illumination of soul or at one-ment with God the Father. In many fraternities, initiation means nothing more than the ceremonial rites attendant upon the reception of members. It may possibly signify a required amount of instruction that has been given to the candidate, with little regard to his understanding or appropriation of such instruction. In the Temple of the Illuminati, the strongest emphasis is placed on the importance of the stages or degrees of growth which the candidate has actually experienced as a result of instructions received. Thus, in this fraternity, outer initiation is only a symbolization or emblematic representation of the degree of understanding that the candidate is to attain, or that he has already attained in his growth. In this fraternity, the inner growth is promoted by following clearly outlined instructions and by the use of sacred mantras. There is an outer organized brotherhood of the Temple of the Illuminati. However, the members of the inner brotherhood, those who have received the instructions, who have followed the sacred mantras, greatly outnumber those of the outer. 
In other words, many are eligible to membership who have not been privileged to be present at a convocation and to receive the conferring of degrees. They are eligible to membership in that they have received the prescribed instructions concerning soul illumination and have given satisfactory evidence of sincerity and devotion to trying to live a life that harmonizes with these instructions. But for some reason... They have been unable to be present at one of the convocations. Insofar as possible for them to do so, all worthy seekers are encouraged to become affiliated with a temple organization. Such fellowship, as a fraternity affords, does much to strengthen one in one's purpose, to stimulate one to one's best endeavors, and to quicken one's ambition in all good works, while the ceremonial features of initiation, when understood in their symbolic significance, constitute a most impressive and sublime ritual. However, to the isolated members of the Temple of the Illuminati, who are not privileged to enjoy such fellowship and to be the recipients of such impressive rites, let this message be made plain. True initiation is a process of growth. It is a refining process. It is a purifying process by means of which the soul becomes more Christ-like in all its qualities. Therefore, that which is vital and fundamental in initiation one may experience in his own consciousness, no matter how isolated his life may be. Furthermore, no matter how many degrees one may have received through the outer ritual, unless one has attained correct understanding of truth and has experienced the proper purification of heart and the consequent proportional degree of illumination of soul, one has not passed through the true initiation. The systems of instruction given under the auspices of the Temple of the Illuminati receive the general names Soul Science, Soul Science and Success, or Soul Science and Immortality. Each name emphasizes one particular feature of the purpose attained through its study and its practice. The instructions in general have for their aim the harmonious development of the complete man, body, mind, and soul. This is brought about through proper understanding of the divine laws and through the use of the sacred mantrams. The special object of these teachings is to fit all aspirants through knowledge wisely used, not only to be masters of their own lives and conditions, but to help their weaker brothers in the one family of God, whose home is the universe. Purity of motive, thought, and life, holy use of holy gifts, justice and fairness in all dealings, sympathy and brotherly love, in short, pra truth practiced, there are a few of the stones gathered for the foundation of the temple. The faithful aspirant giving himself with pure motives and determined purpose to the pursuit and practice of the methods and teachings set forth will, of a surety, unfold the inherent powers of the soul, such as gifts of healing, intuition, discernment, and spiritual understanding. No distinction of sex is recognized. Man and woman possessing a sincere heart and a willing mind and upright character alike are eligible to membership. In the fullness of time, retreats will be established where the sick and sorrow-tossed may go for healing, rest, and instructions. In the cities, circles will be formed for all manner of practical work. 
the ministry of healing will be offered whenever possible under the guidance of regular physicians who have also received training in soul science and soul culture. Especially is it desired that tender sympathy and ministry shall be given to all the so-called outcast, or fallen man or woman, and that every member of the temple shall consider himself a good Samaritan, ready to do, to dare, and to suffer, if need be, in order to save his weaker brother. The work and the principles of the Temple of Illuminati, of the Illuminati, are such as to ensure opportunity for mystic connection through membership in the order with the most advanced and spiritual minds of past ages and of the present age also through their teachings exoteric and esoteric one receives such instructions as will develop the highest powers of the soul and at the same time open the field for consecrated and useful service and activity <coughs> It should be emphasized that the mission of the temple is to teach those that come into touch with it. Teachers connected with the temple may be equal to those who would be called masters or mahatmas by occult fraternities, but the temple of the Illuminati does not put them forth as such. They are ranked only in the role of teachers or instructors. The teachings must necessarily be general, intended to enlighten, as well as to arouse the conscience, in order that the aspirant may become self-reliant in his choices and in his decisions. The purpose is to give such clear exposition of the divine law that the student may learn to determine beforehand the reactionary effects of thought and deed, and thus be led to choose the right. It is intended that the fundamental laws of the Christ shall be taught, and how to live in harmony with them. The goal in mind for the students is to become masters themselves, of themselves, rather than to come under the control of a master. All powers, all mastership, all divinity comes from within, from the soul, from the center of the being. The teacher can only direct the student to the path that leads to illumination of soul, but the student must travel the path and must do the work for himself. However, by persistent effort, the student may become even as the teacher and possibly even greater. Not slavery does the temple teach, but freedom from slavery, mastership over conditions, not bondage under conditions. Obedience to the spirit of the teachings is necessary, for no one can learn the deeper truth except through obedience to the truth he already has. Knowledge of deific things is the result of growth of soul, and growth of soul is the result of faithful obedience to the divine law in its various aspects in all departments of life. And I'm going to pause there, folks. That's a lot of reading I just did from this. Uh, but there are so many hidden underlying things here uh, that are kind of conspicuous <laughs> by on the surface reading here. Like right now, how many times did we just hear the word obedience in those last couple sentences? See, and they're talking about divine law and soul growth, deific things, um, mastership. Uh, you see, and they, they talk about exoteric and esoteric, and 
that this text is not excluded from that because there are esoteric things uh, right in the very general statements that they're giving here. So that being the case, when you read between the lines, uh, understand that it's about obedience, okay? And they call it obedience to the divine law. Well, how would you know the divine law? Well, it comes from within, right? Well, that's, that's what they claim. Uh, but uh, they have teachers and, uh, you know, these, these wise uh, teachers and aspirants and things like that who will show you what, what's divine law and try to teach you the ways of divine law so you could identify it for yourself. And uh, as long as you obey those teachers, those, those wizened ones, uh, then you will advance and see you'll have all these soul powers, the abilities to heal and, and all the, you hear all the things and immortality, all these promises given in here. But let's, let's continue on. I don't want to get too hung up on different ideas like that. <clears throat> continuing on. To the seeker who has made up his mind to live the true life, the thing that looks like an impossible barrier to sonship and illumination is the memory of the past. For the memory of his past, life comes before him again and again to discourage him. Concerning this, it is fitting to quote from a poet unknown in name, quote, All the past things are past and over. The tasks are done and the tears are shed. Yesterday's errors let yesterday cover. Yesterday's wounds, which smart and bled, are healed with the healing that night has shed, end quote. To let the dead bury their dead and to follow the Christ is the hardest lesson the student has to learn. Gonna pause there, folks. To let the dead bury their dead and to follow the Christ. This is saying give up uh, all your earthly ways to uh, give up um, your material possessions and things of that nature. And this is kind of, this goes along with uh, some biblical teaching. How Christ said, uh, you know, come with me and I'll make you fishers of men, he said to the disciples. And, uh, you know, he advised people, be more mindful of the spiritual, okay? Nothing wrong with that. But let's, let's keep this in context here. Let's, let's read it again here. To let the dead bury their dead and to follow the Christ is the hardest lesson the student has to learn. To give up the old and all that it held to follow the new with all that it shall hold for us. This is the hardest task of all becomes the giver of life and light and immortality. It is to be clearly understood that no one can receive the temple degree, knight of the rose and cross, who has not at least taken the first year's instructions in soul science and who does not possess the textbooks that form a part of the instructions. And I'm going to pause right there, folks. Now we're getting down to the brass tacks here. Okay. Do you hear that? First of all, they, they give you all of this wonderful sounding stuff, don't they? This is, you know, it's all about illumination and being, living the right life and being righteous and following the example of Christ and yada, yada, yada. You hear all that? And then we get down here and we're getting down to the nitty gritty here. Okay. They're, they're talking about obedience and, you know, uh, to the teachings and everything else. 
and uh, how this is it's a, it's a very hard lesson that you need to learn you need to learn to uh, um, throw away everything you know okay all of the old stuff and just follow the new well who's giving you the new well that would be you know the the grand masters here within the illuminati wouldn't it the, the ones that are showing you the way uh so and, and we see right here 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 it is they and it leaves off right here and it says to give up the old and all that it held to follow the new with all that it shall hold for us this the hardest task of all becomes the giver of life and light and immortality so there right there in that statement they're telling you this is the hardest part in order to advance further and to gain these promises of life and light and immortality uh here here's the key and then it goes on the next paragraph here and i'm going to read it again i don't know if you caught it the first time if you were paying attention or not but here it is it is to be clearly understood that no one can receive the temple degree knight of the rosen cross who has not at least taken the first year's instructions in soul science and who does not possess the textbooks that form a part of the instructions so you see they're selling you you cannot possibly um be illuminated to this degree or or attain this high and lofty position unless you learn from one of their teachers this soul science and you have the textbooks as part of your instruction and you follow and obey what the teacher is telling you you see let's continue on with the reading here okay this is the next part this is right after we read that i'm going to repeat that section again that, that last paragraph just to give you an indication as to where the rubber meets the road with a lot of this it is to be clearly understood that no one can receive the temple degree knight of the rose and cross who has not at least taken the first year's instructions in soul science and who does not possess the textbooks that form a part of the instructions <coughs> continuing on a chain can be only as strong as its weakest link and in order can be of greatest service only when its members understand the laws of which each member is to make use in his service to humankind if there is but one member who is ignorant of these laws the whole fraternity will be judged by the ignorance of that member and its services will be appreciated accordingly <coughs> and that's the end of that section of this book folks describing exactly what is the illuminati in the modern age and you see it's more obfuscation and more disingenuousness of the same thing uh, they're telling you it's all about service to humankind and all this lofty good uh stuff here you see but when it comes down to it uh you know it, it's it's more of the same it's listen to the higher uh the the high priest in the in the order or the the teacher see it's it's listen to this wiser person take this soul science well who wrote these courses on soul science that's what i i that's a question we we need to ask here okay because it's claiming here that uh you can't 
possibly understand divine law unless you take these courses in soul science. So you can't be illuminated. You can't rise to this greater level on your own. You need to be taught these secret instructions from on high, from somebody within the group. Well, who wrote this soul science, these teachings on soul science? Well, more concerned than that, what exactly is this soul science? And we'll continue on with the next section of this book, which talks about just that thing. Soul science. Soul science is the science that teaches equal development of the physical, the mental, and that which concerns the soul, giving perfect balance and harmony in their culture. Soul science is not simply a religion. It is a science philosophy religion, and it is in perfect harmony with the teachings of Jesus, the great master. It is founded not on theory, but on facts, material, tangible facts. The teachings of the masters proved true and scientific and applicable and practical time and time again. Mind is mortal and dies with the body, but that which the mind builds, the soul, lives on through eternity. This power, which the mind is able to build, and which we recognize as the soul, is the greatest power man can know, a power that is a thousand times greater than the mind. So I'm going to pause there, folks. Now, what this is telling you, I don't think it's something necessarily bad. I think there's a, a real foundation to the idea of the building of the soul, okay? It's a beautiful thing, really, when you think about it. But uh, the problem becomes... Well, how do you build that soul? How, how do you do that? Um, and I would argue that it's something that each person has to do on their own. Okay? Uh, it's something that uh, really can't be taught by another mortal being. But yet, that's what they're claiming within this secret society group. You have to study their quote-unquote, soul science in order to do this. You have to follow their teachings and obey their orders or their directives if you want to be part of the group. And if you want to be part of the group, then you want to build your soul. And in order to do that, you have to serve. See, that's all part of it. You see how they've taken some key ideas and aspects here. Things like altruism and uh, service to others and all of these good things. And there's nothing wrong with those things, but they've kind of uh, bound them together into this idea of service to the order more so than to your fellow man. Do you understand what has been done here? Um, and and this, is, this is where many of these secret society groups get it wrong, in my view. Okay, let's let's continue reading on. <coughs> Here's where we left off. It says that uh, we recognize as the soul, it is the greatest power man can know, a power that is a thousand times greater than the mind. And that's where we left off. The power of the soul can be used to regain health when you are ill, to maintain it when you are well and strong, to heal others, in fact, to attain perfect development and to gain success in every branch of endeavor if you know how to use it. 
Soul science teaches how to use it. It teaches even how the poverty-stricken man can rise above his conditions and become a success in the business world and a credit to himself and to his God. It teaches the unhappy how to become happy. And I'm going to pause right there, folks. Do you hear the promises they're giving you here? They're saying soul science teaches you how to use it, how to do this, how to attain. Um, I would argue, well, once again... Who wrote this book on soul science in this group, okay? And uh, why are they the absolute arbiter of this idea? And doesn't it kind of sound like pie-in-the-sky kind of stuff here? Uh, you know, you could even the poverty-stricken man can rise above and become a success in the business world? Uh, that's not the world we live in, folks, is it? <laughs> I mean, come on. I, I, there are people who, you know, who can work through disadvantage, but it's not through the teachings of soul science from this, this particular secret society group. Uh, once again, is it something that can be taught? Well, to a certain degree, you, you can learn certain information and certain things and improve yourself, yes. But uh, this is giving you this, this air of invincibility here. That these people in this secret society group, in this quote-unquote the, the order, okay, uh, that they, will, they, they seek to, they claim that you can attain this perfect development to the point where you could be successful at everything. And you can heal others and maintain your own health through use of these soul sciences, okay? But let's continue on with what else they say here, because th this is interesting stuff. And I mean, don't get me wrong, like a lot of this stuff that they teach, there are some fundamental truths behind it, but they always put their little twist on things, don't they? And a lot of it seems disingenuous at times, and a lot of it seems to be very egocentric at times with them. Uh, and they, they really firmly believe that they are better, so to say. <laughs> and and that shines through in some of the things that they teach and talk about in these books. Anyway, next section here says the name. As the name, soul science indicates the teaching is primarily the science of soul illumination or the science of the soul. It unfolds and interprets the laws and the principles underlying the growth, the culture, and the training of soul powers. Every science implies its corresponding art. These instructions, when applied, become the finest of fine arts, the art of the interpretation of truth, the art of the application of truth to human needs, the art of cultivating and encouraging the most delicate graces of heart, the most subtle uses of thought power, the most refined touches and imaginings of consciousness, the art of righteous judgment, the art of putting a kind interpretation on the deeds of others, in short, the art of the Christ life. They become an art that constantly lures one to perfection, a perfection, however, that is constantly evades and escapes one's grasp, yet with every escape it lures the more enticingly. The science and the art of illumination must go hand in hand, the one giving a clear understanding of the laws of truth, the other making practical application of these laws to the needs of life. I'm going to pause right there again, folks. Did you listen to all that mumbo-jumbo right there? <laughs> Did you hear that? This is purposely designed to obfuscate, okay? And to make you believe that uh, these people, 
they could teach you these powers or these abilities, how to uh, cultivate your soul and, you know, use this, this form. It's an art and a science all at once, see, and you could attain this perfection, but the perfection constantly evades you, but it's just out of your grasp, but you will strive for it and you'll you'll achieve it anyway well you don't achieve it see it, it it's all like i said it it's all obfuscation okay it's all fancy uh talk to try to entice people to sign up for their system and to obey what they're telling them and and here's the thing i i've read a lot of their books now and i've looked at some of these things that they call soul science and these books that they claim are these different soul sciences and you know all of this stuff and instruction and everything like that. But you know what? All of it is nonsense like this, like I just read. It's not telling you anything substantial here. It's not telling you, how do you do this? Here's the science behind it. This is how it works. It doesn't ever tell you any of that. It always gives you some kind of a, a just a little bit of bait. It's, it's, it's like dangling the carrot before you just to try to keep you marching down the path. Like, they're always keeping something from you. And, and, and see, that's the thing. There's always just one more step down the path, and maybe you'll find out a little bit of something about it for real and, and understand something. And they just keep egging you on that way. And you know what that is, folks? That's the control mechanism. That's how they get you to obey what they're saying and follow their directions and do the things that they want you to do and, uh, you know, and, and operate in this world in a way that benefits the people at the topmost levels of the power structure here. Uh, but anyway, let's, let's read on just so you could see a little bit more about this. Here's the next part here. <clears throat> it says, Soul Science and Success. The title Soul Science and Success emphasizes the principle that culture of soul leads to success. Okay, going to pause there. See, so basically they're telling you nothing other than the title that they just said here, Soul Science and Success. So, and this is what I mean about these teachings. The title, Soul Science and Success, emphasizes the principle that culture of soul leads to success. Okay, <laughs> let's move on. Let's see what it says here next. It is based on the conviction that success is secured through the intelligent direction of well-trained thought powers. True success is a practical application of the law. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. In this, it is to be understood that the kingdom of God means the establishment of love, truth, and justice in the thought kingdom of man's consciousness. In proportion, as these divine qualities have become the actuating principle of a man's thought life, in that proportion has he reached the vibrations of true success. Acceptable, worthy service attracts its corresponding reward. The inculcation in a person's nature of the qualities of love, truth, and justice and the intelligent direction of well-trained thought powers will increase his efficiency in whatever profession he may serve. Thus, through the study and the practice of soul science principles, an ever-increasing success is assured him. <coughs> Excuse me. So you hear that, folks? All right. So 
Here's the thing. If, if you do what they teach you and what they tell you, you'll be successful. See, it's all about your thought life. It's all about uh, putting forth these vibrations of true success. Um, you know. So if you follow these soul science principles, you'll have success. See, they didn't tell you anything new there, did they? Let's go to the next section. Soul science and immortality. <clears throat> the designation soul science and immortality is also given to this system of instructions. The significance of this name is due to the fact that soul is the only immortal part of man's nature, and that illumination of soul leads to conscious immortality. At the transition period known as death, the body returns to the great storehouse of elements whence it came. The spirit, or life principle, returns to the universal storehouse of spirit, or universal life, whence it came. The mind does not continue as an individual entity, whereas the soul is that part of man's being that continues to exist. Its existence may be of various stages, as it may exist in a chaotic state, little more than a crude mingling of good and evil, or it may be in the primitive stages of a nucleus, in which the good is beginning to take more or less definite shape and to act as a transmitting influence over the evil, or it may have reached an advanced stage of pur purification such that it is a well-formed center of light, pure and radiant. Thus, the light that lighteth all the world has become individualized and self-existent. When the soul has become a nucleus of light, it has become an immortal entity. This is the true illumination. This is immortality of soul. From this... It is seen that immortality of soul is not something thrust upon mankind, whether he will or no, that it is not an inevitable fate which man is destined to meet, regardless of his own choice, but rather it, is it true that immortality of soul is something to be attained, something in the attainment of which man may have conscious part and free choice. The stage of development, known as immortality of soul, is a goal aimed at in the soul science instructions. Okay, going to pause there again, folks. Sounds nice. Sounds like a, a, a nice idea, doesn't it? Once again, the idea is you build your soul, and through the building of your soul, you become immortal. And uh, this ties back to ancient Greek philosophy and stuff like that once again. So this is nothing new being shown here through the secret society group. It's just they're trying to steer uh, your opinion of how you can achieve this, this form of immortality. See, it's an individual journey for each of us. And that's why we're here, okay? Uh, life, this this place we live in here, this experience we're having it it's to build our soul and we all do this you don't need secret instruction or special knowledge from a secret society group to do this we do it inherently that's the thing now they're trying to see this is this is what gets me all right because this is something we all experience and go through, and it's something that's inherent in our nature. It's something that our Creator imbued us with from the get-go, and it's why we're here. That's why we say that this place is a a, a school in, in a sort of way. We're, we're learning. We go through this uh, cycle of uh, uh, hardship and necessity here. 
because we, we need to build the soul to become immortal. And this is all uh, part and parcel of, of what goes on here with everybody. But the thing is, these secret society groups would have you believe that this is not something everyone could achieve, that you could only achieve this through following the teachings of the order, see, and uh, through going through these initiations and these processes and being a member of their group. And many of these secret society groups and the, the innermost circles of them, the ones that we would term the Illuminati, they believe that you don't even have a soul unless you are one of them. See, that's why they treat us as cattle. They don't see you as being anything of consequence. They don't see you as being anything more than an animal because they don't believe that you are going to transcend this place if you don't have this soul. And they believe that you can't build this soul unless you have their secret teachings. Is it making sense to you now? All right. Even though it's a fallacy on the face of it here that everybody is here and we are building our soul through our experiences here on earth and through our uh, our spiritual lens that we all have. We were endowed with all of this by our creator and put here to go through this. And it's a, a natural process. And we all, we all can get there and will get there. See, but these secret society groups would have you believe, and this is what they teach, that it's only something attainable by those own those special uh highest most enlightened minds see only the ones that are members of their secret order that go through their secret teachings who learn their quote-unquote soul science see these are the only ones that could achieve this type of immortality and become ascended masters and you know achieve this individuation from the spirit of god to become god in and of themselves you see how they kind of twisted and perverted these ideas um but anyway let's let's continue on i'm going to just read a little bit more of this uh so that you can see some of the ways that they they teach certain truths in here but at the same token they put their own little certain spin on it and try to capitalize on it and grasp a hold of it in terms of, you know, trying to achieve power for themselves. So let's see. <clears throat> Next section here says, Soul science tells how. The philosophy of soul science shows how a soul can be built or developed. It shows how such graces and such powers of soul as one desires can be developed. You are told how to meet success in the financial world and how to draw things to you that you need and desire. This is to be done not through exercising control over others. <laughs> I'm going to pause there, folks. See, <coughs> once again, you see how this has been twisted and perverted in another way, okay? And I don't think that uh, Dr. Clymer had any ill will towards anybody here, but he's he was deluded in some of his thinking in, in that, uh, you know, he, he was a highly adept member of these secret society groups and he thought himself intellectually superior uh to others and uh you know he, he thought himself to be an arbiter of those things that are good and maybe he had some good intentions and stuff like that but uh 
he he was deluded to the point where he didn't understand how condescending and stuff he sounded here and how he contradicted himself and how many of these people contradict themselves in their actions uh, with the things that they say. But let's get back to it. Uh, back to the reading. This is to be done not through exercising control over others, but by increasing one's own efficiency in rendering service to others. No point needs more clear and explicit emphasis than the fact that soul science does not countenance any phase of hypnotic control or mastery over others in order to bring benefit to oneself. Soul science stands for the cultivation of the self and of mastery over one's own self. Gonna pause there, folks. Okay, so you see what he's talking about? Self. All right. So he's claiming at one hand here that, uh, you know, soul science does not countenance any phase of hypnotic control. It's interesting he brought up hypnotic control, isn't it? Or mastery over others in order to bring benefit to oneself. But he says, soul science stands for the cultivation of the self and of mastery over one's own self. See, soul science always and forever stands for the principle that success is to be attained through an exercise of one's own inner powers and resources in channels of usefulness to humanity. That success is to be attained through an increase of proficiency and competency in some line of service. going to pause there. So he's basically saying, hey, if you like to do something and you're good at it, you could do this as a way to make a living. Okay, well, that's common sense. That's not soul science, dude. <laughs> I mean, come on. Let's continue on, though. Soul science teaches us how to cultivate one's resources and how to increase one's proficiency and competency. It stands on the principle of thoroughness and makes use of no success-in-a-day method of instruction. Going to pause there. So once again, he's telling us that hard through hard work and determination, um, you could maybe build success or, or wealth. Okay, once again, more common sense, dude. There's nothing soul science-y here. Okay? Anyway, let's continue on. The mission of soul science is unity. You can believe in any religion you desire and still accept every word of soul science. And I'm going to pause right there, folks. And if you're a Christian, you should have caught that right then and there. Um, it says the mission of soul science is unity. Nothing wrong with unity, right? But let's listen to the next part. You can believe in any religion you desire and still accept every word of soul science. Okay. Its predominating mission is to show how human sorry, its predominating mission is to show humanity that the great teacher is here now, ready and willing to help you find the Christ at his second coming, the present. This is the only philosophy that will help you in all conditions of life as it equally develops all the elements of physical, mental, and spiritual existence. Development along one line to the neglect of others would make you a physical, mental, or moral cripple. Your happiness demands good health, a prosperous business, harmonious social conditions, and a sane understanding of a true philosophy or religion. 
All these desirable and necessary things will be yours when you understand soul science philosophy and when your soul becomes strong enough to control your thoughts in the midst of life's affairs. And I'm going to pause there, folks. Do you see how they always put a caveat on this? So they're telling you that, uh, you know, when, when you understand this soul science philosophy, you'll have all of this stuff, okay, that your happiness demands this stuff. First of all, good health, a prosperous business, harmonious social conditions, and a sane understanding of a true philosophy or religion. Your happiness demands all that. Is that true? I know some people that aren't in good health, per se, but they're still happy. Um, their happiness doesn't depend on that. I know people that don't, uh, you know, own a successful business and... They're perfectly happy. <laughs> Do you hear what I'm saying here? Um, anyway, <clears throat> and then he goes on to say that uh, when here's the caveat here that we were talking about. He says, when your soul becomes strong enough to control your thoughts in the midst of life's affairs. When, see? So the, this is another way that they dangle the carrot before you. Because you always, under their, their guidance here, feel you. You haven't reached uh, that attainment of adepthood or enlightenment here. You, you haven't quite got there yet. See, you're never quite good enough because your soul hasn't become strong enough to control your thoughts in the midst of life's affairs. See, so but when it gets there, that's when you'll achieve all of this stuff and you'll have your true happiness. See, let's continue on. <clears throat> The great law is that the desire within us to do a certain thing or to accomplish a noble and worthy purpose in life is proof that we have the capacity to do that very thing. We may not be able to do them at this very minute. We doubtless need to cultivate and to develop the powers and the energies with which to accomplish. But in time, through persistent and faithful effort, it is ours to accomplish, to achieve, to attain, to dare, to do. It is our sacred duty to realize our highest ideals and to recognize and develop to the utmost the powers, forces, and energies latent within us. This is the mission of soul science, to show the student how to awaken and arouse from the sleep of latency the manifold resources of his own being. The time has passed for men, and especially women, to sit down with folded hands and wait for things to come to them, things which may never come without the exercise of great soul power. You perhaps feel that you possess a power, a force, which, if you could but learn its proper use, would help you to achieve the things you desire. It is the development of this power that we teach in order that you may fulfill your deepest desires. Gonna pause there, folks. You catch all that? We could teach you this power so that you can fulfill your deepest desires. You hear? Do you hear all that? And once again, we went through all that word salad, and we haven't really learned anything about this soul science, have we? And this is the way they, they constantly talk through this stuff. Uh, they give you little nuggets of wisdom here and there, and, and little commonsensical things uh, that we all experience through our, our lives anyway. And they twist it and, you know, oh, this is an aspect of the soul science. And once, you know, you achieve this 
uh, higher enlightenment and you understand better, then you'll have all this success and you'll have all the, your deepest desires fulfilled and you'll be happy, see? And it's... It, I'll tell you, it's it's just... It's, it's crazy that they, they go ahead and they use all these different things. They, they know very well how the human psyche works and they know how to manipulate. Okay, let's put it that way. All these things, they sound very appealing to the ears, don't they? Um, it, it's appealing. It sounds like they're, they're, they're trying their utmost to come off as being these righteous, good people. And maybe some of them do have good intention. I mean, that, that's the whole thing with these secret societies. Many people within them, they have good intention, okay? They're, they're not out to really harm anybody. They're just trying to better themselves. But in so doing, sometimes they fall on the wrong side of the conversation. And they get led down a trail that doesn't end where they think it ends, okay? And that's what a lot of this stuff is. Especially they're talking here about this whole soul science philosophy and things of that nature. And uh, the bottom line is they, they keep talking in circles. Okay, that I've, I've read numerous of their books now about these different things. And you really don't learn anything from them uh, other than, you know, a couple... Uh, maybe useful kinds of wise nuggets i guess you could you could say uh you you do learn some val some things of value let's put it that way they do put some things of value in their writings okay but largely they keep talking in circles and try to keep it very mysterious and uh keep it so that it's just out of your grasp so here's my Here's the conclusion I've come through through reading a lot of this stuff, okay? They dangle this carrot in front of you. They keep telling you, yeah, you, you follow the order. You, you do the things we say, and, you know, you rise through these ranks. You take these initiations, and you'll become wiser. See, you'll become smarter. You'll learn more of this secret information. You'll learn more of these secret teachings. You'll have a greater understanding of the world around you. And uh, then you'll be able to achieve these different successes and these different things and do all of this stuff that you want to accomplish. Uh, but you have to follow our teachings, see, because the, the, the rest of the world, the public, they don't know this stuff. These are secret. This is the secret knowledge handed down through generations. See, this, these are the secrets of the ages. Our, our secret order is here to protect them, to keep them from those who aren't worthy. Only the worthy can wield this power, see? And that's kind of what they're coming to. Think back to the Star Wars uh, movies, okay? The Emperor, he tells the story of Darth Plagueis the Wise. See, this is the same kind of idea here. And if, if you're familiar with those uh, those movies those prequel movies especially, he he tells Anakin Skywalker that he could have this power to raise the dead or to prevent people from dying even. That's the same kind of thing these people teach, okay? And you know what? When you watch the movie, you later find out it's a lie. See, this power was never something that he would be able to wield because it's a lie. 
and it's used to control and manipulate. It's the same thing. I can't give you a better allegory than that of what these secret society groups teach and, and what they do with this. It's a manipulation. It's a lie. Okay? And they, they do throw some true things out there into the mix. Okay? And that's how they, they keep people in this trap. Uh, because, you know, how do you bait a trap? Well, you put something good in there, don't you? So that that's the kind, same kind of idea, okay? But uh, I don't think I could, I could make it any more clear than that analogy of the Star Wars movie there. Um, I think it was Revenge of the Sith. That's the one, I think. Yeah, that sounds about right. So if you watch that movie with a new set of eyes, you'll see how it is that many of these secret society groups... How they operate. See, the, the whole rise of the idea of the Sith within Star Wars uh, was based upon how they really do things. Once again, it's it's a type of revelation of the method put out there in the entertainment for people. So you could see and understand how they do these things. The Emperor lured uh, Anakin Skywalker to the dark side with this. Through the secret initiation of the Sith and by, by telling him that he could have this power. Do you understand what they do? They dangle that carrot before people. Even though it's a lie and they lead them steps down further and further and further. And, you know, you have to obey the orders and do the, the things uh, that, you know, the, the master, the, the, your teacher tells you to do if you want to achieve these, these higher things and, and learn these ways. But at the end of the day... You never learn it because it's not really something that's there. You're just following orders, see? And and that's that's one of the ways that they get you here. But anyway, let's finish up uh, with... There's two more little sections here I'd like to read through before we call it a night with this. And, uh, you know, then we'll end with the idea of what it is we're talking about here. This next section says, The Power of Thought. If you fully understood the power of thought force... Its laws, its principles, its might. And if you were proficient in directing thought force in harmony with a correct understanding of its laws, then you would be able to dissolve the earth by a single thought and to create another world by another thought. Gonna pause right there, folks. Uh, do I need to add anything to that? <laughs> do you understand what the author here is telling you? He says, if you fully understood the power of thought force, and both of those words, thought and force, they, they have capital letters, okay? Thought force, its laws, its principles, its might. And if you were proficient in directing thought force in harmony with a correct understanding of its laws, then you would be able to dissolve the earth by a single thought and to create another world by another thought. Do you hear the hubris here, first of all? And second of all, uh, here's the thing. Here's the common sense principle here. Uh, we all know that there's not a single one of us that uh, through, prof if we were proficient in directing thought force, we would be able to do this, okay? Uh, because, you know, it's just not something that's possible for a finite human being to do, all right? So, because we're not God, see? But uh, this is the hubris and also the disingenuous nature of what they teach here. Because he, he says here, if you were proficient in directing thought force in harmony with a, a correct understanding of its laws, see, then you would be able to do this. But uh, he, he's implying here 
but because here's the thing we all know we can't do that right so he's implying that you can't possibly pre be proficient in directing your thought force in harmony with a correct understanding of its laws so therefore he's implying you don't have an understanding of the laws of nature or the laws of how this works or the laws of thought force and you don't you're not proficient with it but he's implying that he is well if that's the case mr climber why are you dead right now <laughs> like <laughs> seriously and, and why have you not created your own world and dissolved this one away see um <laughs> see that, that that's the other thing they, like any i i won't i won't digress on that thought for too long here but uh Let's, let's continue with what he has to say. This is not to say, however, that expenditure of thought force in channels of demonstration and display is under any circumstances to be encouraged. Really? Then why are you talking about it? <laughs> Come on, man. Anyway, this is merely a statement of fact concerning the possibilities of thought force in the hands of one who is in reality an adept in its use. Nevertheless, it is to be emphasized that the true adept is guided and guarded against the possibility of making harmful use of thought force. Under all conditions, we will use the power only for good and worthy purposes. An adept is one who has full, complete, and remarkable use of thought force. Yet there is no room for discouragement in the belief that you cannot become an adept. Even a limited knowledge of the laws of thought, together with the power of thought control, which is gained through soul development, will enable you to gratify every worthy ambition. This magic of mind has been proved time and again to be most powerful for directing things in the way man wishes them to be. It has been said that the mind is all, but this statement is not true. Mind simply acts as a builder, and unless man builds soul, all dies with the body, and the opportunity for an externally existing soul is lost for that particular lifetime. Gonna pause there, folks. Did you catch all that? It has been said that mind is all. Okay? And, you know, that's a basic tenet of hermetic thought, isn't it? The, the, uh, um, the hermetic principle of mentalism mind is all but he's saying here mind simply acts as a builder he said that's not true mind simply acts as a builder and unless man builds soul all dies with the body and the opportunity for an exter for an eternally existing soul is lost for that particular lifetime so you hear that so once again, it falls back on this idea. They believe that uh, man's not capable of building his soul unless he's an initiate of one of these secret orders and is taught how to use this quote-unquote soul science and this thought force to direct his will. That's an important word, too. Will. Okay? And we'll get to that some other time, I'm sure. That touches upon some ideas of Thelema, you know, that religion or pseudo-religion invented by Aleister Crowley, or alleged to be, you know, invented by him. Um, and uh, the many secret orders that have been brought forward today. But anyway, so, 
that being the case let's let's continue reading here we're going to finish up just a, a couple more sections here and call it a night just so you have a better understanding of who and what the illuminati is what they teach what they believe okay thought being thus powerful how much more powerful must be the soul that has been builded by a mind that understands the laws principles and powers of thought thinking creative thoughts forming habits of constructive and wholesome thought awakening the soul from its long sleep of latency is the true method for obtaining power and if this is accomplished in the right way such a soul built in such a way is eternal and i'm going to pause there folks you see how he throws his caveats in there once again and if this is accomplished in the right way see <laughs> such a soul built in such a way is eternal but otherwise you know he's saying uh once you're once you're you're gone you're gone man from this physical place that's what he's claiming and this this ties into many of these atheistic type ideas and these secular humanist type ideas and you see once again this is the wellspring from which uh, luciferianism and many other things comes it's all the same thought process okay that uh, unless you're an initiated adept in one of these mystery schools or you know their particular high order of this mystery school you don't even have a soul and if you don't have a soul when you die that's it and that's why they view you as being little more than an animal okay that's why they call us cattle and treat us like cattle uh, because they don't think we have a soul because we don't practice their quote-unquote soul science see we're not taught uh, you know within the auspices of their secret societies so that being the case you don't even have a soul you don't matter you don't count to them see so that's why they get away with doing things like mass genocide on a grand scale through use of an alleged medical treatment uh, this kind of stuff goes on this is exactly why because they they don't see any uh, kind of a karmic consequence to it because well you don't have a soul in their view and you know there's there's no immortality there and these are the same people that believe the same thing of these elementals see and we've we've covered that before too the idea of the elementals well they don't have an immortal soul see so that's why these you know adepts in these secret societies and stuff why they have to marry these beings and and have uh, sexual relations with these beings to help them to achieve this immortal soul give them this gift of immortality otherwise they have the same problem that those of us that don't belong to this secret society group have don't we see it's the same kind of idea they they've taken a lot of these ideas and they've twisted and perverted them in many ways so with that being said let's let's continue on with the reading here and we'll finish this part here and then we'll call it a night i think and just give some concluding thoughts it says all rests with you your body your environments your finances your opportunity are all of your own making in order to make them according to your truest desires and loftiest ambitions it is necessary to know the great laws the master jesus taught that he who had awakened and developed the soul 
should have all needful things. Soul science philosophy tells how to develop, to awaken, to find the soul. Being potentially a son of the living God, these things are yours by divine right. If you do not understand them, whose fault is it? You cannot blame your fellow man. You cannot blame your creator. Then who is to blame? Man was born potentially a creator after the likeness of God, the creator of all things. Jesus taught that the things he did we could do also. Even more, he told us plainly that greater things we should do. You are, in degree, a creator now. Though not understanding the laws of creative thought, it may be that you are creating for yourself misery, failure, and sorrow, for perhaps you are reversing the great laws. Do you know that you have the power to make yourself what you will? It rests with you whether you become a success or a failure. Success in all things lies within the palms of your hands, if you but know the laws that control body, mind, and soul. It is the knowledge of these great laws that the soul science philosophy teaches. To follow the instructions requires very little formal or verbal faith, for when the student obeys the laws, results must become manifest. There can be no failure if one gives persistent, honest, faithful, conscientious attention to the task of soul development. As in working at the building of a house, if the plans are correct, results are sure. Made in the image of God and endowed with godlike qualities, man contains the spark or germ of godhood within his nature. It needs but the proper development of the spark of divinity to attain health, prosperity, and happiness, for these are his birthright by divine decree. Had man alone been the one who decreed it, it might have been different. But it was God himself who made the divine decree and made man in his own image. Man's soul is a mighty magnetic force. It attracts or draws to, to it that which it likes, repelling that which it dislikes. <coughs> That's the end of that section, folks. So you see here, he's kind of contradicting himself in a way, isn't he? Because he's saying God made this divine decree of over man. Okay. Well, if that's the case, then why is the secret society the arbiter of this thing? See? It's not. And that's that's where part of the lie is. You see? So, uh, made in the image of God and endowed with godlike qualities, man contains the spark or germ of godhood within his nature. That's correct, right? It needs but the proper development of this spark of divinity to attain health, prosperity, and happiness. For these are the birthright by divine decree. Yes, they are. But the problem is, the secret societies try to rob us of that birthright, don't they? And that's what's been going on in the world. We've been robbed of our birthright. We're not told who we are or, you know, that we can have uh, this, this type of... Uh, certainty over ourselves and we could achieve good things see they they keep this stuff away from us and they they use it in a form of a manipulation or as a means of control okay so rather than allow all mankind to have access to this knowledge well this is the secrets of the ages well why is it secret if we've all been created in the image of god and we all have these divine rights Okay, if this is our divine birthright, why have secrets? 
Why have secret societies? Why keep these teachings from us? But yet they do, don't they? Well, why is that? Because it gives them a form of control. It gives them power over others. So you can see what the intention is here. Anyway, and enough with that. Let's give you another overview here at the end. And this is a little further down in the same book. We're going to read here and give you a better idea of where to leave off, how this all relates, and how this is all about the Illuminati and, you know, what, what this group is, and give you a better description of what the Illuminati is and what it is that they believe. Even though I think we've gone over some of the basic tenets here, we've given you a little bit of the history, and uh, we've given you some of the things that they teach and believe. But here, in their own words, let's read again here. The Temple of Illumination. The Temple of Illumination is the great outer body of the Temple of the Illuminati. It is the outer circle, an organization of kindred souls who are interested in the truth, who want a pure and illuminated religion, but who do not desire to go deeply into any religious or philosophical training. Do you hear that? I'm going to pause right there for a second, folks. See... There's an outer body, an outer court to the Temple of the Illuminati, and many of these secret society groups fall within those auspices. So this is the outer court, okay? These are the ones that don't want to deeply go into any religious or philosophical training, as they say right here. Now let's continue on. Each age demands a distinctive type of interpretation of truth adapted to the requirements of that particular period of history. Truth is ever the same. Divine laws have not changed since the beginning of time. But the world of thought advances, and each outgoing cycle requires a laying aside of its cloak. As the snake sheds its skin, that the incoming cycle may be clothed upon with a new garment better suited to its needs. The texture and the designs and the coloring of the cloak of thought are determined by the particular emphasis that a given age employs in the interpretation of truth. Gonna pause there, folks. So do you hear that? So they're telling you the truth doesn't change, but the interpretation of truth changes. It needs to change. See? Once again, they assert their dominance as a controlling party here because they're the arbiters of truth, aren't they? Well, they're, they don't claim to be. They, they claim... Truth is truth, man, and the truth doesn't change, but it's the interpretation. So they're the arbiters of the interpretation of truth. See, let's continue with the reading. For the human race to be enriched by all the varied aspects that tr truth and its realization may assume, it is necessary for the cloak of interpretation to be doffed and donned again and again in accordance with the laws of progress. It is necessary for a new system of emphasis in the interpretation of truth to be formulated from time to time. Gonna pause there, folks. So here is what they're admitting, okay? They're saying here, for the human race to become, to be enriched, by all the varied aspects that truth and its realization may assume, it's necessary for the quote-unquote cloak of interpretation to be doffed and donned again and again in accordance with the laws of progress 
It's necessary for a new system of emphasis in the interpretation of truth to be formulated from time to time. So what they're saying, folks, is uh, we're going to control the narrative. We'll tell you what the truth is. See, from time to time, uh, you know, regardless of what the truth is, you, you, we, we need to, you know, give you the what your interpretation of the truth should be. So we're going to tell you what the truth is, they say. We'll tell you, this is the exact thing going on in the media right now. This is the same way that the media controls narratives. See, it's admitted right here. This is what they do. They only want a certain um, interpretation of truth to be presented, okay? Because that's what they say. So uh, they say the truth is the truth. It never changes. Truth is immutable. But, uh, yeah, it's interpretation of truth. Sometimes we need to change interpretation of truth to get the message across. So that's control of information, folks. That's what this is talking about right there. It's control of information. The, these secret society groups, the Illuminati, have taken control of information. Okay, So when they're the sole arbiter of information, well, they're the ones that kind of uh, control things, don't they? Let's continue with the reading. Maybe we could get a little bit more, um, you know, meaning out of this or, or gather some more value out of this. <clears throat> the doffing of an old interpretation and the donning of a new mark, a transition period that is attended by unsettledness of mind and by perplexity of thought. It is truly a period of stress and strain. The world of religious ideas is now in a transitional stage. To satisfy this need, the Temple of Illumination offers a new system of interpretation, an interpretation that claims to be the natural outgrowth of the cyclic stages through which the world has already passed. The law of cyclic changes indicates that the time is ripe for a restatement of religious principles for a new presentation of fundamental laws. The unrest and the hunger of the present transitional stage of thought demands a different placing of emphasis in respect to the essentials of truth. Going to pause there. Did you catch all that mumbo-jumbo again, folks? Well, they're saying they're going, to re, um, they're going to redefine what truth is, okay? And they're going to redefine what religious principles are right. <laughs> See? Once again, it, it falls back to uh, this idea. I, I understand. They, they put in here that uh, the law of cyclic changes indicates the time is right for a, a restatement of religious principles. So, see, they're going to rewrite uh, religion, religious ideas, philosophies, all these things to, to suit the new uh, time period, or so they say, the, the new cycle. This is what they claim. They're, what this really is, folks, is this is them um, utilizing a natural energy that is uh, inherent within the order of things with the changing of these cycles of time. So when we're transitioning, which we are now from the age of Pisces to the age of Aquarius, there's these energies present that could be used and manipulated by those who understand these energies, and that would be these people. So this is what they're doing. They're saying, you know, they're, they're taking advantage of that idea. And in so doing, they're trying to 
redefine what's right and what's wrong and redefine religious ideals and redefine philosophic ideas see so they're going to redefine certain truths they're going to change around the meanings of things because they're they're taking advantage of this energy this natural energy inherent in the cycles of time to do so it's not to say that uh, they should be doing this uh, in all actuality I don't think they should be doing this see it's not something that should be messed with uh, it just understanding the, the cyclical nature of things they've utilized these ideas to try to put forward a new system that they want see I don't know if I'm describing this accurately or enough for people to understand or articulately enough I should say what they're doing is they're 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 using um, the uh, their knowledge of this cyclical nature of things and the fact that during these cycle changes like this there's inherent natural energies that flow and they understand that they can leverage things certain ways with this through the application of well uh, not only their their own redefining of social norms but through mass media to do so so that's kind of what they're trying to accomplish here and they claim they're in the right in doing this right here okay that it, you know from time to time it becomes essential to do this if you listen to what they were just saying that's what they're 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 taking control they're trying to change the nature of our reality by claiming the high ground here okay they're the ones that uh, claim they're morally superior they uh, you know understand because they have this secret knowledge handed down through the ages the secrets of the ages they're the ones that are masters of this soul science okay and uh, they're the ones that want to shape the future because they see themselves as being the only ones to be the beneficiaries of this future okay that being the case let's continue with the reading here we'll just read a little bit more and call it a night i know i said that already but uh, a lot of this stuff gets really deep at times and you know you, you really have to unpack it the religious thought of the past few centuries has been largely characterized by faith and belief. In respect to the teachings of Jesus, the Christ of the first century, the race conception of truth has been passing through the period of childhood and early youth. Childhood is marked particularly by faith. The child has faith in his father. The child believes in his father's works and in his principles. When young manhood is attained, he is no longer satisfied with mere belief. He must demonstrate his faith by executing ideals. He must do such works as his father does. As a young man, he still has his faith in his father, but his faith now demands the opportunity to exercise its own powers and to accomplish its own works. Religious teachings in the past has largely occupied in the effort to convince mankind of the messiahship of Jesus and to establish the claims of the Christ, but mere belief does not long satisfy. Faith without works is dead, is something more than a trite saying. It is a law of growth that faith must demonstrate its powers. It must work out its principles. It must execute. It must create. The incoming age should be one that is characterized by the power of intelligent faith, one that executes ideals in harmony with a faith 
that understands divine law. A clear distinction should be made between blind faith and intelligence, or a seeing faith, between a faith that is passive and a faith that is active, between an inert and a living faith, between faith in a personality and faith in a principle, faith in a Jesus and faith in the Christ. Jesus is the name of a man, a personality. The Christ is the name of the illumined soul of Jesus. Jesus, as a historic character, lived his earth life and passed out of the plane by man of manifestation. The Christ, as a divine principle developed and individualized in Jesus, is eternal. As an illumined soul, the Christ is immortal. Faith in Jesus, as a personality, merely is a blind faith. Faith in the Christ, as a state of consciousness, that all may attain by living the teachings of Jesus and by obeying the law of love he demonstrated, is an intelligent faith. To meet the need of the age in its demand for an interpretation of the laws of the spiritual kingdom is one purpose of the Church of Illumination, that it is possible for man to understand, and that it is necessary for him to understand in order that he may intelligently obey the law and live a life in harmony with it, is a settled conviction among the leaders of religious thought today. That immortality of soul is attainable is a fundamental doctrine of the temple of illumination. Immortality of soul, however, is not thought of as something that is thrust on all alike, regardless of their desire or their seeking. going to pause there, folks. That's an important idea. It says that immortality of soul is attainable is a fundamental doctrine of the temple of illumination. Immortality of soul, however, is not thought of as something that is thrust on all alike, regardless of their desire or their seeking. It is not an inevitable factor of existence. The positive law of goodness functioning in the lives of men leads to immortality of soul, or to soul consciousness. In, e <clears throat> in each life is a spark, or germ of the divine nature. The divine spark is the potential Christ, or the potential individual soul of that life. This may be nurtured and fed until it becomes the light that lighteth all the world, a man's consciousness. When man becomes conscious of this light within his own being, when he recognizes and obeys its still small voice, he has reached the state called illumination of soul, or immortality, or to express the same thought differently, he has reached the plane of soul consciousness. So we're going to end right there, folks. So what they're teaching here is, yeah, we need to redefine um, religious ideals. We need to re redefine social norms uh, because we're, we're coming upon this, this change of age. And, uh, yeah, uh, because, uh, because of the growing of the human soul, you know, and the changeover of age and stuff like that, we need to redefine these truths, okay? So they're claiming that truth is immutable truth is always truth but the interpretation of truth sometimes needs to be reinterpreted okay so basically they talk about controlling information sources and trying to steer narratives in that way and they try doing so through religious ideals such as this now some of the things that they they talk about yeah it sounds rational it sounds good it sounds nice and uh some of the things, however, you have to keep in mind that uh, they don't intend that for 
the public, okay? Many of the things they talk about here are just for the members of their order. So when they're talking about the immortality of soul, they just said right there in no uncertain terms, well, that's not for everybody. So uh, they fully intend that uh, there's only going to be the select few of them, of these uh, chosen family bloodlines and stuff at the top of the power structure that will advance into this immortality of soul, okay, uh, through the use of these different soul sciences. And they've uh, kind of twisted and perverted these things over into different types of transhumanist notions now. Uh, so that being the case, I mean, we could see here, let's, let's just conclude tonight with, uh, with this. We'll do some final thoughts here. What is the Illuminati? Well, the Illuminati is actually an inner circle within the inner circles of many of these different secret society groups. Uh, it's an offshoot of Rosicrucianism and the Jesuit order, which they're all interrelated. As we see back in it, it ties back through ancient history all the way back to the mystery schools. And nobody's really certain where these ideas began, but they, they really came to their culmination in ancient Egypt um, as far as you know the, the interpretation of the mythologies thereof and that kind of thing. They, they reached their perfection there, and they've been brought forward through many different secret society groups through the ages, uh, culminating with uh, Adam Weishaupt's Bavarian Order of the Illuminati in 1776, formed on May 1st, 1776. And uh, these ideas have transversed through the other secret society groups of today, have come forward, and uh, these are the kinds of things that they teach within the uppermost inner circles of these groups, these ideas of quote-unquote soul consciousness, this kind of thing, these soul sciences, where they, they talk in circles endlessly about uh, how they could have all of these divine or semi-divine powers uh, through the um, application of these quote-unquote soul sciences. But they never really teach how these soul sciences work. They just talk in circles about them. And they tell you maybe a couple useful little commonsensical ideas like, you know, if you faithfully work towards something and concentrate on it and, uh, you know, try to keep going at it and, and, you know, if you're ambitious enough, you could achieve success. Okay, well, yeah, that, that makes sense, doesn't it? But that's not a true, you know, uh, secret science per se that they're telling you there. But they, they, they kind of steer it as such. But anyway, but that's who this Illuminati are. Now, today it's become a catch-all term uh, for all of these big power players. But uh, what it comes down to is it's a, a, a secret society group that has an inner circle within a lot of these other different secret society groups. There's a, a core unit within there that uh, are the ones that kind of dangle the carrot before the lower order members underneath them to try to you know keep the reins of power solid and to keep these organizations moving in the direction they want see so they, they make these kind of claims and promises and always make people feel uh, within these secret societies mind you the the ones that are actually seeking earnestly within these secret societies towards some of this more advanced 
type spiritual knowledge and stuff like that, they keep them feeling like inferior, like they're failures, they're not good enough. And they do this as a manipulation to control them. See, because it's always that, oh, well, you know, if you, if you were just, you know, smart enough or whatever, if you just studied enough and if you were just good enough, you might just be able to achieve this, quote-unquote, soul power. See, but they never could achieve it because, well, let's face it, folks, some of the things they talk about are not physically possible here in the physical realm, okay? So the way they talk about it and the way they make these promises and claims to these people within their orders keeps them striving after this with no end in sight. <coughs> and it's a perfect manipulation for them to keep them moving forward, to keep them doing the things they're supposed to. They, they make these people take oaths, blood oaths, to keep these secrets uh, and, and things like that within these societies. So it offers a perfect measure of control, doesn't it? So once you're in so deep, you know, you're not going to talk for fear of losing your life or your livelihood, as, you know, has been borne out in many different historical accounts with, uh, you know, Freemasons and other secret societies there. So that being the case... They just do what they're told. They go along to get along. And some of them keep striving for this ultimate uh, type of power over their earthly life here. See? And it's a promise that can't be fulfilled within these secret society groups. Now, uh, the whole idea of the building of the human soul, that, I think, is a fundamental truth. I think our mind, our our spirit and our body work collectively together in this place. And that's one of the reasons why we're here, to build this idea of an immortal soul, to build ourselves into that, that kind of a, an immortal manifestation, okay? I, I do think there's something fundamentally true to that idea, but I don't think that the secret societies, what they're offering, what they have on offer for it is necessarily the way to do that. I think we all inherently do that here of our own accord in our own way in our own individual journey each of us so that being the case i mean i i don't think there's any truth to the claim that you have to be one of them in order to even achieve this immortal soul to build this immortal soul okay so they've taken a thing of beauty this concept of this is how you you can build your soul uh towards your experiences your life experiences you build your soul through the renewing of your mind and uh and that kind of thing so they take these truths and they manipulate and twist them and use them as a means of control over others and that's what's been done and that's what the illuminati has done and uh we, we could argue all day long are there people within these secret society groups who think they're doing good yeah i would say there's probably very many of them but then at the other side of the coin, what does it always lead to? Uh, wh why does it always end up going towards bad? Well, there's got to be some intention behind that, doesn't there? And that's kind of where we're at today. I mean, if you look at the, the shape the world's in, if these secret societies were truly out there doing the good works that they claim to be, and uh, they're the ones that are, are running the show, and they, they always put out there those little tells out there. They, they put their calling cards on everything. 
that this is their work and they're doing. If they were really working towards good, would they be doing it through doing evil things like we see going on today? I don't think we would. So I think, it, once again, I always say intention's everything. So to know the intention, look at the works. We could know a tree by its fruits, okay? The Bible tells us we could know a tree by its fruits. So what are the fruits of the Illuminati? What are the fruits of the people in positions of power today? Well, we see the fruits, don't we, folks? It's a cult of death. It's a death cult. And that's essentially what the Illuminati truly is. Even though they disguise themselves as uh, beings of light. And doesn't the Bible say the uh, devil will disguise himself as an angel of light? Um, you know, same kind of an idea. Same concept. Anyway... Uh, that's enough of my rambling for tonight, folks. I hope you enjoyed this topic and maybe learned a little bit something more about the Illuminati, what they are, what they were, what they are today, and uh, how, you know, it's it's truly even within the, the circles of the secret societies acknowledged as a, a real thing, even though it's become a kind of mythology of its own today, and that kind of gives it a little bit more mystique and more power because that uh, ties into the whole... Uh, twilight language, revelation of the method uh, type of thing that it does do. So just the mere mention of the word Illuminati gets people turning their head and raising their eyebrows and maybe outright dismissing things when they hear that term. And that's been done on purpose as another way to obfuscate what's really going on and who it is that controls things in this world. And um, many people who belong to this uh, core group of uh, Illuminati secret society uh, inner circles and stuff like that. They reside in places of power within this world and they would prefer you not know that uh, they belong to different secret society groups and they're always disguised under other names and the means that they use to communicate are often hidden or encoded or uh, you know deeply embedded with um different types of esoteric ideas that only members would understand if they had the cipher to decode it. So, And we see that going back to the story of Weishaupt and his Bavarian Illuminati group. So this is the modern inception of what's going on today, and it corresponds uh, with the founding of the United States of America in 1776 and the writing of the Declaration of Independence. All that happened in the same year all within a couple months of each other. The founding of the Bavarian Illuminati, May 1st, 1776. Uh, the signing of the Declaration of Independence, July 4th, 1776. And uh, I assure you there's correspondences there, but we won't get into those tonight. Uh, but anyway, that's my uh, breakdown here tonight of the Illuminati. And once again, hope you enjoyed it, and I'll catch you folks next time. Have a good night. Come with me.
have to say.